The Aksa will say that there is illumination. The eyes of our understanding is enlightened. We say there is no confusion in this atmosphere. We can see clearly as we see ourselves in you. The eyes of everyone's understanding is enlightened. We say our hearts are fixed on your grace. Our heart is stable on your love. And we can build and comprehend the mysteries of Christ clearly. In the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Bible Aminotics. <clears throat> Bible Aminotics. We started and we say one of the fundamental things about a preacher of the world is that he must be meticulous with the information. He must be meticulous with the information. Uh, especially information contained in the books of the Bible. So the preacher of the gospel must be meticulous with the information. <clears throat> you must not be in a hurry to explain things. Don't just want to Explain incarnation under 30 minutes. What took eight tracks? Abi, should be eight tracks is incarnation. What took eight tracks? Don't want to go and do your own say, brethren, incarnation. They now do incarnation and you, you teach them for 30 minutes. That's rubbish. Are you getting what I'm saying? What took born again 15 minutes? Abi, born again is 15 minutes. 55? 48. 48 minutes. What took born again 15 minutes? Don't go and rush it for that two minutes. I think, brethren, we just have to be born again. <laughs> you are finished. What took stability in prayer? 12 tracks. Don't go and say, brethren, stability in prayer. Your own is now 20 minutes. Ah, ah. You must not be in the hurry. Don't go and do as if they ought to the scripture. <laughs> you will kill it. What took forgiveness of sins? How many tracks? Five tracks. Don't go see. How are you? Today, I will teach you forgiveness of sins. Let's open our Bible to 2 Timothy. You finish 2 Timothy under 30 seconds. True? <laughs> or oh, believer in the ministry. What took believer in the ministry? How many tracks? Ah. The total of that is the most 15. One is So, what took about 12 hours labor? You look at the pressure. Believe in the ministry. And you finish it on that one hour. You cannot teach it away. Ah! I used to do it. <laughs> I used to do as in the old. <laughs> I just let them through. Eh! Brethren! <laughs> you know, <laughs> the title of our message, I did not finish last week. Oh. <laughs> Why are you laughing? What's your problem? <laughs> <coughs> what took 
Hours allowed. Now, come and summarize it under 10 minutes. Everybody is confused. Hi, sir. <laughs> I don't understand. Usually, this is a rubbish program. Punch is like, <laughs> you want to disgrace somebody's ministry. <laughs> so, you mean, so you mean, you mean to go to. <laughs> no. <laughs> you have to be very meticulous with the information. Don't gloss. Don't just run. <clears throat> Where are you rushing to? Say calm down. Calm down. Say calm down. Calm down. What are you rushing to? There's no rush anywhere. Don't be a Russian. <laughs> All right. First Timothy 31 to 2. Let's open our Bibles. You will do a Bible when you to open your Bible to see it yourself. First Timothy 31 to 2. First Timothy 31 to 2. First Timothy 31 to 2. What did he say? He says, This is the true saying that if anyone desires the office of a bishop, he must be this, he must be that. He now says, He must be, he must be blameless. He that desired the good, desired the good work, a bishop then. Was the blameless in husband of well, 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 sober, good behavior, hospitality, and how to teach. How to teach is my emphasis there. How to teach is translated from the Greek word what? Didasco. Ah, oh yeah, didas. No, it's not didaskitos. It's not didasco. Didaskito, but you try, sister Konsani. That's that's it. That's one zero. <laughs> We just started our bit. It's not your bit. So, didaskitos. It means an ability to explain. Didaskitos. It means an ability to explain. So, a preacher of the gospel, a minister of the gospel, must have the ability to explain scriptures. So, what as you are learning the word. You also have to learn how to explain it. That is why you will pay attention when the word is going on. Because coming with the word comes with the explanation of the word. So it implies an ability to explain. And you know it will not just be explaining gist. It will be explaining the scriptures. So a bishop must have the ability to explain the scriptures. So that is, every minister of the gospel is called to know how to explain the scriptures. And Paul was not referring to an ability to talk with oratory skills. No, that's not what Paul was saying. He was saying to explain the text of the scripture. And that is received via training. How you will know how to explain a text is via training. How did you see your teacher explain it? That is how you will do it. That is why it's 2 Timothy 3 verse 14. Look at it. 2 Timothy 3 14. 2 Timothy 3 14. 2 Timothy 3 14. It says, it says, the things which are right on. The ladies are right unto thee. Open to the start of the question. 
But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, knowing of whom thou which thou hast learned, and has been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them of. So you will continue in the things which you have learned, knowing of whom you have learned it from. So Timothy was to continue. Where did Timothy learn something? Who did he learn it from? From Paul, right? So Paul is not writing. Continue in the things which thou hast learned, knowing that you have learned, knowing whom you have learned it from. That is the same as the instruction that people are also giving you. Continue in what you have learned, knowing of whom you have learned it from. You will explain the scripture the way. So, indirectly, Paul was telling Timothy, you will explain the scripture how I explained it. You will present your ministry how I present mine. Does that make sense to you? Knowing of whom thou has learned it from. So, the things he has heard, learned from Paul, it was to continue to the same and hand it over to faithful men. Who will be that faithful man? The disciples that Timothy raised. So, you see, the disciples that Timothy raised will do what Timothy is doing and indirectly they are doing what Paul is doing. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to you? That is discipleship. Indirectly. But we are still in Bible and notice. Let's come back home. <laughs> so, a Bible teacher, which you and I is, must be trained in how to interpret the text of the scriptures. You cannot just carry the text, the Bible, and just say, this is what it means. No. You have to be trained on how to interpret the text of the scriptures. You have to. You have to be trained. And it is a function of faithfulness. A function of diligence. That, and, and that is what is brought to this ability. A function of faithfulness. You are faithful with the message. You are diligent with it. That is how you learn really it. So, you know who we have learned it from. And I've explained to you that what caused denominations in our today's days is because people don't pay attention to details. So when I say, a teacher of the gospel must do what? Learn how to pay attention to what? Details. To what? Details. To details. And that is why we are studying Bible hermeneutics. We saw what last week? Implication and what? Literal. Implication and what? Literal. And literal. And we examine basic things. Implication, the literal. And do you understand how to read the text now? When you can say, okay, when some texts are looking similarly somehow, you know, okay, what's the implication of this text? What's the literal meaning? Do you get it? You will see the literal meaning and then look at the implication of it. Does that make sense to you? Now, let's move on quickly. I don't want to go, I don't want to waste time in explaining myself over there again. Literary forms of in writing. <clears throat> Literary forms in writing. Literary forms in writing. I think this will be one of the longest series after stability in prayer, right? 
I believe. How many, how many sections have we done? Five? Oh, it's not even long. With this one, would be six, have you? This is five. Oh, wow. We've not started. Oh, yeah. We know it's really the Germanic church. Sixteen? Oh, okay, we are recording. <laughs> 16. And I'll still plan another one. Ah, we, we, we die here in this studio. <laughs> it's a marathon. Hey. We will soon start a very we'll soon start a new series very soon. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you excited for that? We understand that. Be filled with that will cover up for gifts of the spirit of this year. <clears throat> Well, I'll do this Holy Spirit again in the future. Glory. Somebody say glory. Glory. Oh. <laughs> 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 oh. <laughs> he said the glory that Oh. Be fast. <laughs> Literary forms in writing. <laughs> Number one, Proverbs. See Proverbs. When we are communicating eh, in a text, the author, okay, don't forget, there is author, the reader, and the what? The text. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's go again. The what? The author, the, the reader, and the code. The code and the encoder. Okay. What's the code? The text. What's the the code? What's the encoder? The writer. The author. Don't So now. In communicating an intention in a text, the author can use a proverb that is, you know, in our today's day now, if I want to explain something to you, I can use a proverb, I can use a proverb to explain it to you. And a proverb is a concise saying that expresses a general truth. I will do it again. A, a proverb is a concise saying that expresses a general truth. A proverb is a concise saying that expresses a general truth. Look at Proverbs 3 verse 9 to 10. Let's, let's take a glimpse of that. I don't want to... In my context of Bible and notice, I want to stay with these explanations. If not, I will have explained some things about Proverbs to you. Because Proverbs... Mm. Let me stay with Bible and not it. It's time for everything. You know, as a preacher, you have to learn to train your words, not to say, you know, there's a way you can go and preach the gospel. And you can be teaching born again. And you can say, gifts of the spirit, prayer, everything, inside born again. I don't know you even say leading of the spirit, inside born again. I don't know if you have done that before. Lift your hands. I've done it too. Lift your hands. Let me see. 
Let me see. Raise it way now. Don't be shy. Don't scratch your head. Raise it way. How many of you have done it before? That you, you want to preach born again. You infuse prayer. You infuse religion of the spirit. You infuse gifts of the, You say, you know, you can have all traps inside born again teaching. <laughs> How many of you have done it before? I know you. You can't talk too much. <laughs> Where before? I'm just joking. Well, anyway, as a preacher of the gospel, you have to learn to stay with your script. Are you hearing me? You have to learn it to stay with your script. How not to stay born again and be talking about leading of the spirit? You know, because you just finished studying it, it can go and be hot in your head. That is one. That is. <laughs> Hmm. Let me just stop there. Proverbs 3. Verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thy increase. So shall thy bands be filled with plenty and thy presses shall be burst out with new wine. The word first fruits is a word for firstlings of agricultural produce. So, in reading the statement now, the writer, look at what the author did. Look at something very carefully. Let's read it again. Honor the Lord. Remember, now we want to put everything we have been learning together in perception. Remember, I tell you, this is, these are very critical times to pay attention to the scriptures. We want to put implication and literal now to perception now to work. Look at it again. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruit of thy increase. So shall thy bands be filled with plenty and their presses be burst out with new wine. You know, if you look at this ritual, both 9 and 10 is talking about both agricultural produce. The fossilings of what you've got of your increase is what will fill the barn. Do you know that? It is the thing that will help fill the barn. Now, that's a proverb. What could the writer not be implying? You know, that is where people read and now take it figuratively and say, no, he's talking about fresh food for money. And people will have dropped their general salary now. Chibi. Chibi. Do people still do that? Yes. Yes. Hey. Wow. Anyway, I'm not against giving. I'm just against ignorance giving. Ignorance giving. That's just all. So now, and look at bands. Bands was used for storage and preservation that's what bands were used for because when you take the first fruit of your increase you now put it in a ban just to preserve it and to store it there now proverbs are usually difficult to use in texting doctrines proverbs are usually very somehow in testing doctrines proverbs 
are supportive texts. You cannot go to the book of Proverbs and go and say, this is doctrine. No. They should be back up to your explanations. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Does that make sense to you? Proverbs are not doctrine. No. They are back up, supportive texts. They don't have fundamental truth or foundational truth. They don't have it. They don't have foundational truth. You see texts like Matthew 6, verse 21. Matthew 6, 21. Matthew 6, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That statement is a proverb. You know, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart be also. You know, on a literal meaning, what's treasure? They will not understand this. But where your treasure is, so you have to be also. That's the proverb statement. But that statement simply means what does that mean? What you cherish. Ah. Uh, yeah, let's manage that. What does that mean? Classwork. Just basically priorities in your heart. What you yeah. like more in your heart, that stuff. He's like, yeah. I agree. <laughs> First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Corinthians 15.33 He says, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manner. Do you know that's a proverb? <laughs> you never knew. <laughs> that's a proverb. It only reinforces a truth. So, what proverb does is that it reinforces a truth. It is not the truth in itself. That is what a proverb does. So when you read a text, and that text is looking like a proverb, um, you will now know that ah, this is a backup to a truth. This is not the real truth. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, we can simply see the book of Proverbs are backups to support the law of Moses. Or we can simply see they are backups to support the text of the scriptures we want to read. So that's why when you read the book of Proverbs, people say, if you want to be wise, go and read the book of Proverbs. Uh-uh. <laughs> I know people who have read the, the book of Proverbs and they are still stupid. 
so he does not cure foolishness. It is your understanding of God's word well that cures that. Alright, let's move on. Prophecy number two. Don't forget we are looking at literary forms in writing. Number two, prophecy. If you notice something about prophecies in the Old Testament, you will notice that most of the prophecies in the Old Testament seem very judgmental. How many of you notice that? It looks as if the, the prophets are raining judgment. And it seems as though the judgment was averted when people now repented. And that seems as though if they did something right, if they did something wrong or something right, <coughs> per se, they will now repent. Or God will, God, God will now repent. <laughs> no. So prophecies need to also be explained. You are led away, promise. You are showing a good example for people like Abraham to learn. <laughs> Jonah 3. Let's look at Jonah. Jonah. Jonah 3. Jonah 3 verse 4. Jonah 3 verse 4. <laughs> Jonah 3 verse 4. And Jonah began to enter into the city, into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. <laughs> just imagine, just imagine there was a Jonah in our time. When Jonah comes to this church and say, Yet, 40 days, everybody will be overthrown. I trust Abraham. Everybody say, Hey, let's pray. Let's pray. <laughs> Look at verse 10. He now says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of his evil. <laughs> Really? Can that happen? He says, God repented of his evil and he said he would not do unto them and he did it not. Look at Jeremiah 18. Jeremiah 18 verse 7. Our iniquities testify against us. Do thou it for thy name's sake, for our backslidings are many, and we've sinned against thee. Look at verse 8. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Jeremiah 18. Sorry. Jeremiah 18, verse 7. I was reading Jeremiah 14. Sorry. Neighbor is like, finally. Abraham, um, 
<laughs> Jeremiah 17. No. Jeremiah 18. Verse 7. He says. He says. At what instance I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced thrown from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Now, let's read down, let's read down to verse 10. He now says, And what instance I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build it and to plant it, if it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. Look at Micah 3.10. We are still studying the prophecies. My cattery thing. My cattery thing. So, what is the worst way to do Micah 310. They built up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with. <laughs> That's a very interesting thing. They built up Zion with blood and Jerusalem with iniquity. <laughs> Look at Jeremiah 26, verse 16 to 18. Jeremiah 26 oh. 16 to 19 It says then the priests of all the people unto the priest and unto the prophets this man is not worthy to die, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. Then rose up certain of the elders of the land, and spake unto all of the assemblies of the people, saying, Micah, Micah the Morasite, prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah, and spoke unto all the people of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed out like field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountain of the house of the eye of the pleased of forest, did Ezekiah king of Judah, and the Judah put him at all to death, did he not fear the Lord, and besought the Lord, and the Lord repented him of the evil which he pronounced against them. Thus might procure evil against our soul. So now, in some instances, in the writings of the book of the Old Testament, the prophecies were very conditional. If they do this, God will do that. The prophecies were conditional. They were not absolute. 
So that means they will sometimes not bear the details that the author and the reader ought to understand. They will not bear the details at times. Look at, well, let's look at more scriptures. Let's look at more scriptures. We are still on this prophecy. We want to see something about the cosmic terminologies. Let's see Isaiah 13. Isaiah 13 verse 9. Isaiah 13 verse 9. So, you see in Isaiah 13 verse 9, it says, It says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, Crew, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay in land desolate, and it shall destroy the sinners thereof with it. Look at verse 10 to 11. It says, For the stars of heaven and the constellation thereof shall not give their light, for the sun shall be darkened. We are seeing, you want me to stow you? We are seeing the cosmic terminologies of the way the prophet wrote something. Now look at verse 10. It says, For the stars of heavens and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. For the sun shall be darkened in his going forth, and the moon shall not cause her to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy, the arrogancy of the proud to cease. And I will lay to low the haughtiness of the terrible. Now, the prophet now spoke in figurative speech, using cosmic. Cosmic will be the reflections of the suns, the moons, and the star to give a prophecy. Are you getting it now? Now, look at Jeremiah 4, verse 23 to 25. Jeremiah 4, verse 23 to 25. Jeremiah 4, verse 23 to 25. says for I bear the head and lo it was without form and void and the heavens and they had no light you know this is a prophecy this is an explanation but he's using cosmic terminologies to explain it because let me tell you something about the prophecies in the scriptures look guys look at me the prophecies in the scriptures can be very dicey. And in, in the prophecies in the scriptures, that is where we have some of the major fact of the gospel. So, you will now have to read the prophecies well, carefully, to understand what is this saying. You know now, we are reading this Jeremiah. What is Jeremiah now telling us about? Is referring us back to Genesis. And you and I know, that when it says God created heaven and earth, it wasn't meaning literal heavens. So you should know that Jeremiah is speaking figuratively about a prophecy or something and he's using cosmic terminologies. Where did they learn it from? Moses. 
Moses has always been the major factor of the gospel of the scripture. I'll give you an example. See, guys, without Moses, we don't have the scriptures. Moses is the genesis of the whole Bible. Every other writer wrote from Moses, including Malachi, <laughs> even Paul. Moses gave that foundation that everyone has to build on. So you will notice that the Bible has to reoccur. It's as though you will see it, it, some parts in this part, some parts in this part. Everybody is quoting one another. And the funniest thing about it is many of them did not meet. Many of them did not meet. So look at Jeremiah now. Jeremiah. Is quoting and look at the investment. I say, Behold, and lo, there was no man, and all the beds of heaven were fled. So he was getting us back to Genesis 1, to the creation story of what God will do in, the, in Christ Jesus for man. Look at Isaiah 24, verse 23. <clears throat> Isaiah 24, verse 23. Isaiah 24, verse 23. We are still looking at the prophecy. Isaiah 24, verse 23, it says, And the moon shall be confounded, and the sun ashamed, when the Lord of hosts shall reign in the month of Zion and Jerusalem, before his ancient gloriously. Before his ancient gloriously. You know, if you read it now, you know what does he mean? I don't know if you get it. What does this thing mean? We will, not, we will not have to study it. But we are not studying it in this series. I'm just giving you backgrounds. Look at Luke 3, verse 4 to 6. He says, Now, I want you to pay attention to this part well. Luke 3, verse 4 to 6. I want you to look at this thing well. Are you there? It says, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. So now, he's quoting Isaiah. Look, he's quoting Isaiah now. Now look at it. Though. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled with every mountain. Every hill shall be brought low. You know, if you read this in Isaiah, what's Isaiah talking about? Every hill shall be filled with the mountain. Every hill shall be made you. Every crooked way shall be made straight. The rough way shall be made smooth. And the flesh shall see the salvation of God. What do you think he's talking about? Souls. You know, when Isaiah talked about it, you and I will be thinking, ah, every year shall be made You know, that's when people now say, the Lord will make every cooker way straight. Is that what he's talking about? Have you seen Bible Eminotics? 
is it are you seeing how to wait you know i think somebody was asking a question last year, i said how do you cross-reference check it in the old testament are you seeing it now now if you read it in the old testament on its own now if you read it in isaiah now you won't really get the facts it is when you now come to the new you now say that ah, ah, ah. this is what isaiah was prophesying about so many of the prophecies it has to be explained well and be well checked so those prophecies has to be well trained because it is a literal form of writing remember we have seen one one literal form of writing is proverbs so the way a writer will write his code down he will write it in proverbs you know um if 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 i was writing a love letter now to Pelumina and i say um if love is a crime, I'm willing to, to be wanted. You know that's a proverb. <laughs> you know that's a that, that's a proverb. But do why do you want to be wanted? <laughs> oh, let me tell you the one that that that, that line. <laughs> My friend, <laughs> let me mention sure Jura. <laughs> when we when we green up, you now put on this two gold status. I can't. Let, let me catch a grenade for you. Mm-hmm. I did me was naive. Me was naive. And I ask him, Gaffa, what's the meaning of grenade that you are catching for so? You see, it means bomb. <laughs> and I said, so for a babe. <laughs> What to lose your life? He said, brother, the girl now died. It's a Who is not catching green in now? I'm not. We are not mocking the way that died. Anyway. <laughs> let me let me just me. When the girl died. When the girl not died, the guy that said, he. <laughs> the, the scenario of what happened to the guy for one week, I can't forget it. The guy, when we were going to school, the name I'm okay. I said, she wanted to crash green it. He said, no. He said, it's like the guy came to me. <laughs> he said, I slept. And I woke up, the door just closed. <laughs> you know, it's a lie. You know, this thing is illusion. It's just probably the one that closed door, is it? <laughs> he said he was reading. The light just off. The candle. Ah ah. <laughs> you know, as you grow up, you will know that uh, wind can literally blow the the candle and you see the thing just off. Everywhere just ah. He said I had to quickly go and see He said everywhere was silent, dude. It's like wind was blowing. Wind on their house, they have trees. How will they know? How will we not blow? It was later on how many years and now I replayed the story in my head like ah ah ah. And that day I was like, hey, he said I cannot sleep in my room again. 
That was just fun. You know, there's this story that was going on. One pastor failed to to wear the couple. I don't know if you have seen it or not. He came late. Watch that book. Did I say, who is that late? <laughs> you know, that's a proverb. <laughs> but it's wrong, bro. People are, when I saw that, I saw the wickedness of men. Even that statement of who is that late is wickedness. That's the dark humor. They are not making just of who is not late now. Ah, brethren. Shout out. Uluawa Kwelue. Because the man failed to wait there one week before. <laughs> For coming late one week after, the man became late. Shout out. Uluawa <laughs> Kwelue. I'm just, I just wanted to make you a, a week. That's the essence of the story. Oh yeah, are we back to our prophecy? <laughs> prophecy. <laughs> now, prophecy. I said all those stories to make you a week. Prophecies. So in studying prophecy, you will have to examine it carefully. So there is proverbs. Are you not? So now, imagine I write a love letter now, and I say I can cash a grenade for you. Do I literally mean I want to bomb? No, God forbid. I don't want to bomb, and I will not bomb for one woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so imagine, just imagine for Kwelumi for that matter. Ah, <laughs> shout out. <laughs> so you not bomb. So, do I really, so if I now put it inside, is it not a corroborative of the love letter? That is exactly what the book of Proverbs is. Corroborative of the foundational truth. Supportive explanations. Is it making sense? Yeah, I know you report it. Is it making sense? No. I know the Proverbs are prophecies. So. Supportive text. Corroboratives. I'm explaining proverbs and prophecies now. I'm explaining both of the boats. You will calm down. Uh, no, I went back to proverbs to explain proverbs better. So, prophecies, you look at prophecies carefully. Does that make sense? Let's see another one prose. So, those of you that know, Go to literature class or culture. Or B. I told you that we give people that are studying all those courses. <laughs> it's rubbish. Now you put now you put P R O S E. Now you put are studying it in the Bible. Rose. Be like people, I'm sure she ran away, ran away, ran away. You have met it. Prose. It's not prose. <laughs> <laughs> Who said prose? Sister Kozaki. Oh, oh, <laughs> 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 it's not prose. It's prose. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Those of you that don't want to learn that you ran away from art class when they were teaching literature is it no it's boring it's David. Now you are, you are learning this in the Bible. It's not that I have my work infusing it inside. Pros! You take notes now. You will not, you not learn what you did not want to learn those years. Help me. You are there. Take notes. Pros. It's a form of literary writing. Let me do like literature to teachers. It's a form of literary writing <laughs> that applies a natural flow of speech. <laughs> it's a form of literary writing. Hopefully they don't stumble on this audio one day. <laughs> uh, let me mimic. Which one should I mimic? <laughs> ah, I don't trust. <laughs> I believe in my rich name. Let me explain my name <laughs> before the message message. It's a form of literary writing that applies a natural flow of speech and ordinary grammatical structure. It's a form of literary writing that applies a natural flow of speech and ordinary grammatical structure rather than redeeming structure. She is saying you know to learn it in secondary school or in high school. Oh, believe. Why are you taking notes? It's a form of literary writing. I know that the courses that people eat with passion. I mean, you are It's a form of literary writing that applies a natural flow of speech and odd and ordinary grammatical structure and ordinary grammatical structure rather than redeeming structure. Such as in the case of traditional poetry. I'm sure below me we understand this. Women of who can be we can safely see that's a prose. It's a play. Oh that's a play because it has drama. No. Which one can we see is a prose? <laughs> Like, when, like the salvation, when is a man saved? When is a man saved? That's a prose. That book, when yeah. is a man saved? That's a prose. You know the way you will write? Which book? When is a man saved? By a man. 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 Which one? Which one was that? When is it was it? Shut up. Then you know, so have you been doing this? I know, I know because I was confused as I prose. That's what I'm saying. The way it is written. Okay. Because, yeah, that's why we are trying to educate you. When you run away from. <laughs> Those classes, you know. That, that's why you are here now. <laughs> Praise God. That is why you are here. <laughs> <Don't let me. laughs> I will talk. I thought you wanted to say, Brother Jerry's. Brother Jerry. 
trials of brother Jerry. Ah, if you want to read one of the literary castles that you will like, get trials of brother Jerry. You will love that book. Oh my God. And you read that? Hey! <laughs> I don't trust you. You know, you say you are from Ghana. <laughs> I cannot trust you. I can't trust you. Get if you want to read and you want to enjoy Wale Shoinka, get that book, Trials of Brother Jero. Oh my goodness, you will love it. I read it first time in primary school. They will not, I now met it again in secondary school. Imagine life. We acted the play in primary school. They will not, I now met them again. So you have to know the type of primary school you will go to. <laughs> <laughs> I have the pulpit. <laughs> Do your worst. I have the pulpit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, a process is no. Let me explain what a process does. In an everyday speech and conversation, a process employed that is <laughs> men are women, of course. Shut up. We have, we have, we have. We are working on time. You say no to leave it by five. <laughs> it is employed in a in a in a normal everyday speech. So many of the words you say to people and you have a conversation with people, they actually close. I'm sure you just know it now. <laughs> Many of the conversations you have with people, they are in prose. So, an example of prose, let's see one in the scripture. Are you ready to see one? You want to see where it poses? 1 Corinthians 15. So you see that Paul is very learned. 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Those things you ran away from, you admit it. Those things you did not do in your work, are doing your sat, you are admitting it now. First Corinthians fifteen thirty one. This look at the close. Oh, 51, not thirty one. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one. It says, "Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed." Do you see how the statement is looking like he's talking? Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed. That's a prose. Ah, only Pelumi catch that. Ah, you, you caught it? <laughs> That's a prose. Behold, I show you a mystery. Imagine I'm talking to you now and I just say, Behold. You know what behold means? Look. I show you a mystery. That's the meaning of behold. Behold simply means look. I show you a mystery. You shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed. That's a process. So it's employed in your everyday speech. So do you see that many of the things you say to people, they are pros many times. So now, when you are now reading the scripture, you are looking. How is the grammatical context of this place? Uh, is the head working now for the scriptures? Alright, let's look at poetry. You see pros? Want to see prose and poetry? 
I remember when they were teaching us this thing when we were in school there, there was pros. The one I liked the most was oxymoron. You learned it? You almost an astronaut? Oh. I was also once an Let's look at poetry. Poetry speak of symbolism that is narration. <clears throat> now we explain. Look at Jude 5. For instance, look at Jude 5. Let's see where poetry is used. Look at Jude. You know Jude is one chapter, right? I don't know if you don't know. I don't know if you don't know. <laughs> I'm just remembering <laughs> when it's a master by Holy Shaker. He says, I would therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe. Don't forget, it's a narration, a poetry. I say it's a symbolism of a narration. Now watch. So now, when you read this Jude 5, what will, what will come to your head? Let's read it again. How therefore I put you to remembrance, though ye were once... Ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. You know in your head, you don't want you, wow. Now watch. Look at verse 4 of that judge. Then you want to see the intelligence of this writer. Look at verse 4. For there are certain men crept in unaware. Who were before an old? Who were before the old? Now, if now says before the old, what is what is it talking about? Uh, yeah, you got it. It's Old Testament. Those in the who were before the old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, funny the grace of our God unto lasciviousness, denying the Lord Jesus and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I would therefore put you in remembrance that you once knew this, that how the Lord, having saved out the people of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed. So, verse 4 and verse 5 now. You know it was talking about those in the Old Covenant. So now, look at what the writer did. He brought a narration of Exodus 14 and 15 into two texts. Change. Look at Exodus 15. Let's go there. Ah, can we read the whole of the book? Let's see it. Are you guys understanding me so far? Wait. Are we all on the same page, guys? Alright, cool. Look at Exodus 15. If you read Exodus 15, Exodus 15 is a poetry. Let's start. 
Look at what poetry. Look at the example of poetry. This is a real poetry. Ask student now. This is your time to shine. Then sang Moses. You will know. This is a poetry. Then sang Moses unto the children of Israel. The song unto the Lord saying. I will sing unto the Lord. For he has triumphed gloriously. And his sauce and his rider. He is thrown in the sea. I don't know. The Lord is my strength and my song. That's a poetry. You see, you know, at some point in Women of Oru, they put a poetry aspect where you have to say some narrations. Oh, yeah, Shiki, did you go to art class? I'm an art student. I did Oh, okay. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. You know, when you are reading it like that, you're like, he has become, that is poetry. He is my God. I will prepare him an habitation. And my father's God, I will exalt him. <clears throat> he is a man of war. You know, you will not say that part loud. He is a man of war. The Lord is his name. I'm not doing it well. Right? <laughs> Pharaoh Sharot and his host, he has cast into the sea. He has chosen his captains. That is a poetry. Look at Exodus 14. Let's see the narrative. Then the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, (laughs) Speak unto the children of Israel. See the narrative. Story. Are you seeing it? So a poetry can be in a symbolism of both. We can see. Is, is basically, when we say prose and poetry, right? They are basically like a narration, but the way it is rendered is how we have to see it. Are you seeing it? They are narrations. So when you are reading the scriptures, you are seeing a narration of something. You are seeing a narration of a story. Joy is looking at me like, Che, why did I not go to? Why did I not study this thing? <laughs> People is like, I'll be listening to the audio. <laughs> Yeah, this is like, let's move to the example. <laughs> Go catch you, people. <laughs> oh, my God. So, in the chapters of the Old Testament, the use of poetry and then narratives were employed. So, when you read the Old Testament well, the use of poetry... And narratives were employed. So now, now look at the tricky part. It is always wiser to go to the narrative. When you see that there is a poetry somewhere, it's wiser to go to where there was a narrative. You know, if you read Exodus 15, just like that. Oh, you see those eulogies, how they were praising God. You know, if you did not read Exodus 14, you will not understand. Because the reason for that, oh, we'll praise the Lord, is because they have just left the Red Sea. The narrative is that they just left the Red Sea. How many of you are following? The narrative is that they just left the Red Sea, and as a result of that, that's a poetry. So, when you see that poetry, it is wise to go to the narrative. I used to get to what I'm saying. When you see those eulogies, especially in the Old Testament, 
Don't build on it. Go to the poetry. Go to the narrative, sorry. Let's look at 2 Samuel 1. Saul killed David. Abi. Ah, pray for me. When Saul was killed, David rendered a poetry. Let's say there's something in literary time we call odd. We used to call we used to use it to abuse people all day. We say all day. Odd, Odi, all of this. Odd. You read that a hoard is a literary word. So is it? Why we still do literary word in Bible? Do you know why we, okay? Why are we studying this? Let me explain. English language already, already has literary terms embedded in English language. Are you hearing me? So to fully understand the Bible that is written in English language, you have to understand the literary terms of English language. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to everybody? So you see, can't we study the literary terms of Greek? Is the the one you would in your is it Greek? <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? You will have to see the rendering of how the words were used. So now look at Second Samuel one. Second Samuel one. David rendered a hoard, a poetry for David, for Saul. Now, if you did not know the story, eh, you will not understand why he did that. Look at second. And it came to pass, after the death of Saul, when David returned from the slaughter and the Amalekite and David abode in two days, even. Let, let's start from... Um, Let's start. Let's see where he started rendering the odd. Uh, okay, yes, he was. The Bible says he was lamenting. If you look at from verse two, he now started talking, basically like a lamentation when you are rendering an odd. Now watch carefully. So the poetry singles out the mindset of the poet. The poetry singles out the mindset of the poet. And poetry sometimes does not carry the narration of the poet. Poetry sometimes does not carry the narration of the poet. Brokerage is like, oh man, the science student now. So now, remember the dicey part. <coughs> Don't build on the poetry. Build on what? <coughs> build on what? The narrative. How will you know the narrative? You have to first read the background. It's just like the book of Lamentation. I don't know if you know that Lamentation is like a whole. Like a lamenting. Somebody is just talking. Now, if you do not read Jeremiah, because it's, it's Jeremiah that writes that book, do you know you will not understand? Are you seeing it? Okay, let's use Song for Solomon for example. You know, Song for Solomon is as though he's writing a love letter. Now, 
if you did not read or know Solomon's story, you will not understand that book. If you did not read the narration, why is he saying it? You know you don't understand that book. You will carry that book a wire. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. Okay, Proverbs. If you did not know Solomon's history, or that this guy is a king, what? You know you will not understand that book. Even Ecclesiastes the preacher. Are you seeing some simile books that is looking like, oh wow, there's a way to understand those books. And I trust God in many years to come, we would study. We are, we are in it for a long run. Now look at idioms. Let's do idioms. Oh, we still have we still have a lot of things to cover. We have a speed up now. Look at idioms. How many of you know idioms? Idioms. When they say something is an idiomatic expression. Mm, you try. <laughs> Idioms are accepted expressions. They are accepted expressions. Let's see some biblical examples. Look at Judges 8, verse 17. Judges 8, 17. Accepted expressions. And the and he beat down the tower of Penway and slew the men of the city. That's an idiom. Slew the men of the city is the idiom there. Look at, I want us to be fast now. Look at Judges 4. Verse 16. You will tell me the idiom in this one. Classwork. Judges 4 verse 16. Everybody go there. Tell me the idiom there. Because it's just like you are reading English. Now tell me the idiom in Judges 4 verse 16. Everybody read it. But Barak pursued after the chariot, and after the host, unto the Arushet and the Gentiles, and the host of Caesarea fell upon the edge of the sword, and there was not a man left. What's the idiom there? Wow. You people know Buko. Wow. All right, second, let's do another classwork. 2 Kings 10, verse 21. 2 Kings 10, 21. You have to tell me the idiom there. 2 Kings 10, 21. And Jehu said, Through all Israel, and all the worshippers of Baal came, so that there was not a man left that came not, and came into the house of Baal, and the house of Baal was full from one end to another. What's the idiom there? What's the dramatic expression there? Second Kings ten twenty one. Look at it. So there's not a man left that came not. That's the dramatic expression. Oh. <laughs> yeah, poor chap. Oh. Let's see some other instances now. First John 3.17. We're still doing this one together. First John 3.17. So, are you seeing how to read the Bible now? So now, you know that idiomatic expressions, you will not have to pay attention to that word. How many of you know? When you see that idiomatic expression, you know you have to pay attention 
to the statement now that okay, what's going on here? How many of you have seen it now? How many of you have seen it? Hey, yeah. men and women. First John three seventeen. He says, but whoso hath the words good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth his bowel of compassion from me. How primarily the love of God in him. What's the idiomatic expression there? Shutteth his bowels. Exactly. Now, the term shutteth his bowel, let me explain that word. The term shutteth his bowel speaks, primarily speak of not walking in love. Show this boy that he's closed his mind. It means he's, he's not walking in love. So that he's not having compassion. That is why King James used compassion in italics there. I don't know if you see italics there in your scriptures. You see it, they're trying to put the word there. So that means it's that means that word is not in the when when the word in the King James is used as italics, it means it's not in the original version. I don't know if you know that already. I've explained that several times. Now Look at Malachi. Look at Malachi 1 1. Malachi 1 1 to 2. I want to explain this word, this thing called. Let's quickly do a very quick look. How many of you have seen this statement of Esau I hate, Jacob I love? Let's quickly study that. And if you want to know the meaning, all right, let's study it. Look at Malachi 1, 1, 2, 2. Oh, yeah, let's be fast. It says, The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi, I have loved you, said the Lord, yet ye say, Whereas, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, yet I loved Jacob. Look at Romans 9, verse 13. Look at Romans 9, verse 13. Romans 9.13 As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau what have I hated? Now, that word hated, we will need to go to Genesis 29 to find out the meaning of that word. But listen eh, if you go to Luke 14, verse 26, go there. You see that Bible explain Bible. You will not need to. <laughs> you will not need to go for extra biblical sources or apocrypha. <laughs> Luke 14, 26. Look at it. Now let's see how Bible explain Bible. And where the word is used. Now, look at Luke 14, verse 26. Now, you are the one that will get this explanation yourself. Let's read it. It says, If any man come to me and ate his father and his mother and, and his wife and children and brethren and his sister, yea, his own life, also can he not be my disciple? What do you think Jesus was saying there? No? Prioritizing. Basically, preference. That is... Not, uh, that is, if any man come to me and not prefer me, mm. 
Is he saying you should go and hit your father? No. <laughs> I did not teach you that one. Is he saying you go and hit your mother? No. What was Jesus telling him? It's basically preference. What do you put as preference? Personally, me, I put the work of ministry before anything. What I'm doing now is what I love. It's not, it's not a passion. It's not a hobby. But this is number one in my life. Even before anything else. Do you get what I'm saying? So now, he's talking about preference. So are you seeing that idioms can be used to explain what the author meant? Now, when he now says, Ishok, Esau, I hate, Jacob, I love. Go back to look back to Romans nine thirteen. <clears throat> As it is written, what? So, what was he saying? I have chosen to come through the lineage of Jacob and not his son. Does that mean that God hates his son? No. Does that make sense? <laughs> oh, yeah, this is the amplified. Let's see. Verse, uh, amplified. Romans 9. Where's the amplified? The verse there. And it is written, and whoever remains with him, Jacob I love, she is protected by it, but Esau I ate it. Held in the sugar compared to Jacob. Exactly. So that though, that is, is it that God ate Esau? No, Esau became rich. Esau wasn't poor. Esau wasn't cursed. It just simply means, it's just God's election. These are the things we will study in. Soon, let me put soon. God's sovereignty. We will study election predestination, all of those things. What, what, is it that the special people God wanted to use? or We have to study those concepts. Esau have I loved Jacob. That is, God, Jesus has decided to come through the lineage of Jacob. That's why we used to say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and who? Did they use Esau? Yeah. Exactly. So is it that God ate... <laughs> is it that God is saying he ate... He ate Esau. I, I, mean, I remember when I was with in that one, one, one of the other said, Go, ate Esau. I said, No. <laughs> it did not. So but I think it was it was this with my grandma. And the way I took it, took it. Ah. So he said, Go, ate it. We just don't want to accept the truth. Probably because you're the person talking. <laughs> so, those are idioms. Let's see some other idioms. Look at Genesis 2 17. Ah, oh shit. <clears throat> Genesis 2 17. I want to be very fast now because we have things to do and time is not on our side. What? On the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Thou shalt surely die. 
<laughs> Look at Genesis 4.43. Genesis 4.43. This Bible you may notice you open Bible. Well, there's no 43 in Genesis 4. Sorry. Look at Joshua 11.4. Sorry. Joshua 11.4. So what's the idiom in that place? What's the idiom in Gen- Joshua eleven four? Sands upon the seashore. Look at Judges seven twelve. What is he? I've never opened to Judges before. Open there now. Ah ah, she. Oh, I love for no no Bible. Judges seven four twelve. Judges seven twelve. Are you there? So what does sound of all the seashore with me? People. <laughs> you know, if you look at Matthew 17, verse 20, where it says, the grain of the mustard seed, what was that talking about? Faith. <laughs> She's even surprised. She was like, let me try my luck. <laughs> Matthew 17 20. Let's look at um, 1 Corinthians 13 2. 1 Corinthians 13 2. First Corinthians 13 verse 2. So wait, I want wait. I want us to carefully look at this place because a lot of people are not taking this place to mean that there's something called tongues of angel. Now let's look at this place well. Let's start from verse one. Speak with tongues of men and angels, and have no charity. I've become as what sounding symbol, a thinking symbol. Look at verse two. And though I have, be, I have the gifts of prophecy and understanding and mystery and all knowledge, and I could. And though I have faith so that I could remove mountains, I have no charity, I'm nothing. What do you think he's talking about? What's the idiom there? Uh, mm, verse 2, verse 2. Faith that can move mountains, right? Now watch. Is he saying that angels have tongues here? Do you know is this place is a figure of speech? People have just taken it literal. Tongues of angel. Kadosh, Kadosh. So, so the angels will be saying Kadosh, Kadosh. <laughs> no, no, tell me the truth. Angels will come and meet you. I'm tired of that statement. Angels will come and meet you and say, Skebe, Skododo. How will you understand? <laughs> angels will pick in plain terms. They told me, uh, Joseph, fear not. Simple. 
Expressions. People will read it later as it. Though I speak with tongues of angels, Kabayada. <laughs> so you mean to tell me that there's tongues of angels, brethren? We have to progress our tongues. We are tired of saying legedegede. We have to go to zotototototo, the one that angels will understand. Evil spirit is working. <laughs> So please, let's let's learn to stay our lane. So the idiom in verse two is "all faith move mountain," and basically, so how do you know idioms? You will find it. You will find idioms frequently used. It will be frequent in your reading. I'm sure now. I'm opening your eyes to how you will read the scriptures. When you are reading, now you're like, ah, idiom, idiom, <laughs> literal meaning, implication. That's how you read. It cannot be literally interpreted. You cannot take it like that. Just like I say, tongues of angel. You to another say angel. Ah ah, tongues of angel. Ah ah. That that that's the one that is paining me the most. You know, God, I'm not joking. I can't count how many people who are in that delusion of ah, the tongues of angels. People even had did song. Tongues of angels. Kadosh, Kadosh. Kadosh. Kadosh, Kadosh. So, in our minds now. Wait. In our minds now. We thought. 
Yadosh Kalam Bayande. It means angel. That is. We are, you know, that did not make sense. We are saying something we don't understand. Or if we check the Hebrew word of Kadosh, I think it's an Hebrew word. When I say Kadosh, Kadosh or something, Kalamai, I believe it's an Hebrew word that they just use for you people and say it's tongues of angel. It's not tongues of angel. Angel too, now we say, hey, hey, hey. They are too busy for that. So who just think that angels are just somewhere? All they are just doing is lifting up their hands and worshiping God. Huh. Or God is just doing. God does not need any help. He will not create somebody. He is the creator. He doesn't need a created to work for him. I, I don't know if, you, if your thinking cap has worked like that before. A creator will not need a create something he creates to be working for him. Angels are not for God. They are for men. That's why it says in Hebrews 1 verse 14, it says, Are they not ministering spirit? I like the way the writer of Hebrews said it. Ah, are they, that's, that's what they mean. Are they ministering spirit? Are they not ministering spirit? Sent forth to minister to them which are the heirs of salvation. That is, those who have received the gospel. That's the work of angels. But people are saying, Kadosh, Kadosh. Oh, well, Kadosh, yeah, man. Kadosh, Kadosh. It's an Hebrew word. Kadosh is an Hebrew word. <coughs> kadosh, Kadosh. So you see, Zobodobodo. Hey, angel is talking. Oh, it's you that spoke in tongues. There is nothing like tongues of angels. There's nothing like tongues of angels. There is nothing like angelic tongues. So say, now we are moving to angelic tongues. It's wrong. The stupidity said. It is lack of appreciation of the scripture. There's nothing like angelic tongues. So they will say, now, as so we speak in tongues, we will progress into the angelic realm. Oh! Evil spirit, look at by hell. It's evil spirit you want to collect. <laughs> angelic tongues. Show more than me here. Or let's say we will we shout it when we pray. <laughs> angelic realms. Oh, you just pray simple. <laughs> you mystify what is not there. I don't know why I have to emphasize on that because that that I, I've seen that so so much that it gets me really irritated. Angelic tongues. I've been seeing it since I was young. Angelic people will say, let's talk in tongues, but let's progress into the angelic side. That's the most. That's the most. I'm sure people like Colin, but Colin has done it. I'm sure when he was leading worship for one year like that, he was like, Brethren, 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 can we worship God in the angelic realms? We are wrong. He's not going to that, but he almost got it. <laughs> Alright, number five, I power. Oh, it's number six. Yes, sir. Oh, in my mind, mm. pros and poetry is one. Do you get it? Because they are basically narration. Yes, put it as number. Put so put it as number five. Hyperbole. Hyperbole. 
Whatever. I'm the one that have the pulpit. High power. Exaggeration. Put it down in your notes like that. Oh, my sister calls her name. Ah, it's too, I cannot. High power, it simply means, let's see it. Let's see it, let's see it, let's see it. Number one, guides, let me give you guides. Guides in recognizing hyperboles or exaggeration. Number one, it, lit it is literally impossible. <laughs> you read the schedule, you know, ah, ah, it cannot happen. Are you getting me? Two, it conflicts with what with something Jesus said somewhere else in scripture. I'll say it again. It conflicts with something Jesus said somewhere else in scriptures. It conflicts with something Jesus said somewhere else in scripture. Three. It conflicts with what Jesus did. Four. It completes with the teaching of the Old Testament. Five. It completes with the teachings of the New Testament. <laughs> Say ha. Ah, ha, your mouth. <laughs> it completes with the teaching of the Old Testament, completely with the teaching of the New Testament. Number one, it is literally impossible. Number two, it completes with something jesus said somewhere else in scripture number three it completes with what jesus did number four it completes with the vision of the old testament number five it completes with the teaching of the new testament let's see instances of our power you know we just saw one first corinthians 13 let's look at it again ah, let's let's look at our power again that first one let's go back to let's read it again See, let's see hyperbole. So you see that it's an exaggeration. Look at it. Do I speak with tongues of men and angels? You know, Paul is just exaggerating. I speak in tongues of men and angels. Ah, uh ah, -uh, brother. <laughs> is, that, is that who apostolic you were? And I have no charity. I am a sounder symbol. Do I have the gifts of prophecy and understand? All mysteries and have no knowledge and have no faith so that I could remove mountain and have no charity, I am nothing. You know that that's an hyperbole. And do I bestow all my good things and feed the poor and I give the body to be burned and have no charity, prefer it mean nothing. Look at another hyperbole in Galatians 5, verse 15. You are going to do the assignment now. Classwork, Galatians 4, verse 15. What's the hyperbole? 4, 4, 15. Galatians 4.15, it says, When there is then blessedness, ye speak of. For I bear you record that it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. What's the hyperbole? That's, is it possible? No. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, hyperboles are expansions of facts explaining the truth. They are just expanding a fact and explaining the truth. So there are things you will see in the scriptures and you will see that they are hyperboles, exaggerations. Remember the, the, the stuff. It is literally impossible. 
It conflicts with what Jesus did somewhere else in Scripture. It conflicts with what Jesus did. It conflicts with the teaching of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let so your senses when you are reading the Scripture has to be working. Number six, fictions and imageries. This is one thing that is very common, especially in the writings of Moses. There's a lot of fictions. There's a lot of imageries. We are almost done. Oh, we are not almost done. Fictions and imageries. But this is the last one for literary writing. An example of imagery is what? Serpent. That was used in Genesis 3. That was serpent. Paul now used it again in 2 Corinthians 11. I'm going to teach, I think I'm the one teaching this 2 Corinthians 11. I'm going to explain some quiet things next week, Wednesday. <clears throat> Look at 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. He says, For by fear, lest I by enemies, as the serpent beguiled Eve. Through his subtlety, so your minds be corrupted from the simplicity of that is in Christ. And what serpent is a use of a language that is acceptable in that age. In the age of which they wrote, the word serpent was acceptable because it was that was the best description of deception they could use. Corniness. You know how the snake moved like this, creep, 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 very corny. That was the best example. That was, that was what they used it. So that's why you will notice Jesus also used that same word in Luke 10, verse 19. How many of you know Luke 10, verse 19? Quote it. It's very common. Behold. Behold, behold. It starts with behold. Don't open it. Luke 10, 19. Don't open it. <laughs> Luke 10, 19. Don't open it. Behold, I. You have checked it. Yeah, they have checked it. But you already saw the... You already... It says, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents. So that was descriptive of the devil, right? And his work. And overhaul the power of the enemy. And not to by every means. So that was an imagery. So, you know, serpent now, one thing about imagery is that it is pictorial, very picturistic. Garden of Eden is imagery, very picturistic. You just think that, and that is one thing, that is one, that is, this is the part you have to get careful about. You will get carried away with the symbols and you will forget the nature meaning. <laughs> the one awoke, he awoke unto righteousness. Are we called to righteousness? He's looking for his Bible. Who stole his Bible? <laughs> <laughs> Let me mention your name. Brother Cody, this is everybody you know is you that slept. <laughs> Bible and <Bible, laughs> So when you listen to it again, you will skip this part. <laughs> Alright. It says, Behold, I give unto you power. So imagery is one thing you have to pay attention to. Because you can get carried away with the pictures and story. Oh, wow, wow. Joseph, oh, eh, eh. You just get carried away. Ah, 
in the beginning, God created the world again. So, <laughs> in your mind, when you were young, God just came for me and went, Let there be like, This is how it works. <laughs> in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. <laughs> and the earth was without form and void. In your, the way they told you, in your head, you think, and you know you, you have been looking for how they formed God before. <laughs> that he just came from one water, just sprung from nowhere. Bam, bam. And that's it. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. So in your mind, you have seen water. <laughs> and he said, let it be like, damn. And there was light. <laughs> those are pictorials. Those are images. <clears throat> we are back to serpent. Serpent will be our major explanation for this. Look at in in Mark ten verse sixteen. I want to explain. I'm trying to explain serpents to you so that you will understand it well. So I've used Second Corinthians eleven. The first part, the first place you will see serpent is Genesis three. Yeah, don't forget that. I've used Second Corinthians eleven three. I've used Luke ten nineteen. Now look at Mark ten sixteen. <clears throat> Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of the wolves. Be ye therefore wise as what? Okay. Wise as wolves. Wise as what? Serpents. And harmless as dove. So it was used as being cunningly smart. Mark 10 16. Is it Mark 10 17? Oh, yeah, let's look for it. Is it Mark 10? Let's look for it. Oh, it's Matthew. Oh, it's Matthew I wanted to see. Ah, yeah. oh, shoot. What is happening? It's happening. <laughs> Alright, Matthew 10 verse 16. It's Matthew 10, not Mark 10. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Matthew 10 verse 16. So you see there, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of the woods, be ye therefore wise as serpent, and harmless like do. So it means to be cunningly smart. That's what he's saying. Now look at Revelation 12 9. Somebody should be able to quote that. <clears throat> no? That's not what it says. <laughs> and the great dragon was cast out. Revelation 12 9. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil, which deceives the whole world. He was cast down into the earth. He and his angels were cast down within. Revelation 12 9. See Revelation 22. Revelation 22 again. 
And he had laid hold of the dragon, that old serpent, which is what? Which is what? The devil. The devil and what? The serpent bound a thousand years. So you are seeing serpent. Now let's see how Jesus also used serpent in another place. Look at Matthew 7 verse 10. If he asks for a fish, will he give him a what? A serpent. A serpent. That's Matthew 7 verse 10. Just put that down. Look at Luke 11, 11. If a son has bread of any of you that is from his father, will he give him a what? A stone. Hey. <laughs> Matthew 11, 11. I deliberately, I deliberately said that. Matthew 11, 11. Luke, sorry, Luke 11, 11. Luke 11, 11. There it happened. Serpent, serpent your mouth. <laughs> Luke 11, 11. If a son asks for bread, of any of you that is your father, will he give him a, a what? Or if he asks for a fish, open it. Luke 11, 11. Everything is now serpent. You know what? If a son asks for bread, of any of you that is your father, we give me a stone, but he asked for a fish. We give me a fish, or even me. The serpent. John 3:14. You should know this one. John 3:14. John 3:14. Just as more serpent in the wilderness. Even so, so the word serpent must not be taken out of context. His usage depends on what serpent represents in the context of the discussion. His usage depends on what serpent represents in the context of discussion. Alright, we are moving to the last lap. His usage depends on what the serpent represents on the context of the discussion. We are gradually moving to the last lap. <clears throat> oh, Bible may not take series one. Mm. Prepare for series two soon. <coughs> so why are you smiling? <laughs> <clears throat> Errors to avoid the Bible in interpretation. <laughs> Is there still errors in it? Why not? All the way you have been reading the Bible since all these days. Is there the Hosanna Europe? Errors to avoid in Bible interpretation. Number one, do not draw a conclusion until scriptures are well explained and very clear. Look at how we explain serpent. Do you see that? It is not everywhere serpent means the devil. How many of you saw it? How many of you saw it? That it was not everywhere serpent means the devil. When he said, I sent you in the midst of sheep, and secret, uh, uh, and be wise as serpent. Was that meaning the devil? It means calling me smart. Just be smart. So, do not draw a conclusion until scriptures are well explained and very clear. That is why we do exegesis. Do not make the Bible say what you want it to say. <laughs> Number two. Do not say what the Bible do not say. 
Ay, do not make the Bible say what you want it to say. Are you hearing? <laughs> Don't go and think for the Bible. That's the meaning. No, it's not about Number three, allow the Bible speak through you and, vi- and not vice versa. Don't speak for the Bible. <laughs> Let the Bible speak through you and not vice versa. Mm-hmm. Number four, avoid superficial interpretation of text. Don't go and bring interpretation and say, hmm, so that means in my father's house, you see, problem. Avoid superficial interpretation of the text. Now, there are four gaps to bridge in Bible study. And I want to explain this to you. We have the language gap. We have the cultural gap. We have the geography gap and history gap. We have the cultural gap or language gap. We have the cultural gap, we have the geography gap, and history gap, language gap, cultural gap, history gap, language gap, cultural gap, geography gap, and history gap. We have those gaps to bridge in the scripture. Now, let me explain. The language gap, because of the fact that it was taken from one translation or one English to another. You know, in our 20, you know, I've explained this language gap for you over time. You know, it was the Bible was written, let's say the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. Now, from Hebrew to Latin, from Latin to English, it will cross those gaps and major truth will be lost in those things. Now, you know, even in our all these versions that we are using, is a language gap. Amplified NSV. They are explaining the Bible well. And you know, in the bit of trying to explain those Bible well, some major truths can be lost in the fact that they are simplifying the English. But you know that you and I know that there are some words. Look at that word concerning now. That doesn't mean concerning. Are you getting? But you know, in our today's world now, uh, easy to read version is it has touching. Spiritual gift, you know, <laughs> something. So we have those major gaps to always bridge. Culture too. Many a times, the culture of the people played in in the in the scriptures. Geography, where they were, what they were exposed to. Jerusalem. What is the happenings in Jerusalem? You know, to understand Corinth, I don't know if you have followed the way I explained Corinth. To understand the book of Corinth, you first understand the geographical location of Corinth. There was Corinth was a commercial area. Corinth can be can be used as New York of our day, where it is very busy. So a lot of things will happen. Then history, you have to dig in sometimes. What happened? So how do we arrive at conclusion in Bible 
I want to skip in in the next series. Uh, okay, before I go there, pre, before let me just finish it once and for all. Let me keep this one for. So I'll just know that I'm focusing on that part in series two. Principles. <laughs> Principles to avoid. Or no, not to avoid. Principles to understand in Bible interpretation. Principles to avoid. To, to understand in Bible interpretation. Thank you, Abraham, for for guiding me. For always being there for me, even though you might disown me tomorrow. <laughs> Number one, the literal principle. So, that is, this is to understand the scripture in a literal sense. And that is, literal principle would mean, don't forget, we are studying principles to understand the Bible, reading the Bible in a literal sense. The Bible contains figure of speech, and you must know that, symbolism, parables, and everything. So that is general literature rules we therefore apply to reading the Bible. So see it as you are reading English. Because the Bible is written in English, so it will be as though you are trying to understand English. So when you pick the Bible up, don't pick it up, ah, oh, holy Bible, holy Lord, I worship you. No, Read, let your senses be working. Pick it and understand it. Do you get it? See it like you want to understand your biology textbook. You know, you, your head will be working. Okay, what's the chemical component? Ah. What's the anatomical... The anatomical element? No, it's the periodic element. Brethren, number two, historical principle. Historical principle. This will mean to examine the text and its implication. To examine the text and its implication. To those it was written to in the particular age. You will have to dig in. Okay, this thing that it was writing, is it for those in that part? Okay, it's just like the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses. You know, it's not applicable to us today because we are not the ones that is going to the promised land. Or do you have a promised land you are going to? Do you get it? So you have to study in the world. Okay, this is not. So the historical fact will happen. So when you are reading, you're like, wow. So now, when you are now reading that the law of Moses, you will. Okay, you know, at least I recently found that in the book of Leviticus. I'm telling you my personal story now. What I found out in the book of Leviticus. I found that there were several laws, including laws of... You know this issue of pandemic that we have? They actually had some of them. That's what we call plagues in their time. Those plagues that happened. It happened in those days. Moses now gave them what to do. Just the same way in our today's day, they tell us, use your hand sanitizer. Moses gave them there. So when you are reading that place, you know that this is not applicable to us. This was Moses giving, Moses now became automatic doctor <laughs> to them. That's why if you notice that leprosy seemed very obvious in the scripture because that was a plague. 
So now, so you will have, so history will help you to understand those things. Number three, the grammatical principle. What are the basic grammatical constructions? Or we can say the basic grammatical const constructions need to be considered. For instance, the semantic. Remember, we study semantics, right? I don't know if you remember. We study semantics. We study sin. Hmm. Have to go and pick your dust your book again. Study. The the semantic principles, the tenses. You have to study tenses. So you see that the Bible is not for any other person to just speak and just say, "Oh." The Bible is actually very educative. You know, the Bible can actually school you and you'll be learned. In the olden times, people say how they read and write and learn how to even how to be educated or how to be literate is just coming to church. You know, if somebody comes to this kind of our school now, to this type of church now, you know, a person can literally, his head can literally pump up. Because the Bible is very academic, uh, academical. So the senses, the path of speech, the punctuations, everything has to be considered. Where did he pull full stop? Where was the comma? It's just like in Romans 3, I used to show people, I say, eh, all has, for all our sin and fall short of the glory of God. But next verse, that was a comma. He didn't put a full stop. In the next place, he says, eh, you don't even know it. Wow, let's go deep. Assume you wouldn't need to have those out. Look at Romans. Where is it? It says, for all have seen have come short of the glory of God. Look at it. Semicolon. Being justified freely. So that shows the statement in our idea. So we cannot simply say all are sinners. There's a teaching I want to redo in the next couple of weeks. Did all see before my I taught it two to three years ago. I want to redo it again. So that people will understand. Did we all sin before Adam? Or did we all sin in Adam? Is it because of Adam's sin? All of us are automatically sinners. In next, expect that teaching in the next couple of weeks. I'll teach that very soon. What Did we all see him, Adam? Number four, the synthetic principle. I'll spell it. C-S-Y-N-T-H. Synthesis. Synthesis principle. Let me spell it. S Y N T H E S I S. Synthesis. 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 It is often called Angola Scriptura. Now, there's something in the faith that called. How many of you have heard this word? Shola Scriptura. How many of you have heard this? You've heard it, right? Shola Scriptura, Angola Scriptura, uh, Sola Fidae. Uh, those are Latin words. Now, 
we, I don't want to trouble your head with those things. Those are things we will still study later on. <laughs> it is often called the Angola Scriptura. That is, it implies that the Bible will not contradict itself. There is no contradiction with the Bible. So don't read the text and say, why will he be saying this? Read it more. It cannot contradict itself. So, hence, if there is an interpretation that contradicts the body of the interpretation, it must be wrong. Scripture must be compared to scriptures to give full meaning. You must compare scriptures with scriptures to arrive at a full meaning. I'll say it again. You must compare scriptures with scriptures to arrive at a full meaning. No, so now, let's try to end soon. So, in Bible interpretations, there are three guides. We have three guides, or I have three guides for you here, for the way we arrive at conclusions. Three guides for the way we arrive at conclusions. Three guides for the way we arrive at conclusions. And this is where we will finish. After this three guides, we will call it a series. But in the three guides, we will study. In Bible interpretation, three guides the way we arrive at conclusion. How can you read the Bible and say, This is what it means? Are you sure? That is what I want to explain. When you want to explain to somebody, maybe somebody explain this text to me and you go, go, go. How do you arrive at the conclusion? Okay, this is exactly what it means. I will not forget, I think last year, me and a friend, we took close to three to four hours deliberating on a text. We're going back and forth. We're just too, we're confused. And that text, people have used it wrongly. So we're on a video call. We're confused. We kept going back, forth, back, forth. Three to four hours, just on one text. We say, okay, let's try this again. Let's try this again. Let's try this again. Let's try this again. Let's do this. Let's do this again. After a while, we just, ah, I just, I just say, okay, let's go this way, let's go this way. We just say, this is the answer. And we got it. How do we arrive at the text? Number one, it is written. (laughs) Number one, it is written. That is, it is written in the Bible. Oh, Abby, that is, is it written in the Bible? That's the question. Is it written in the Bible? Is it written in the Bible? That is number one way to arrive at the conclusion. Now, let's explain. You see that Jesus demonstrated something, especially in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. And what was Jesus saying in those places repeatedly? It is written. It is written. So that shows before a position is presented scripturally, don't just come with a mindset of, in my own opinion. That's the thing I hate most. I think you are crazy. 
you guys there. I think this is what he's saying. No, let's think. Let's, let's know what we are doing. I says, eh? You are not sensing for the Bible. <laughs> it is written. So that shows, before a position is presented scripturally, it must be found expressly stated in the Bible. Before a position is found or is presented scripturally, it must be found expressly stated in the Bible. So the law of reading we apply. You have to read the Bible. <laughs> you have to read the Bible. Because the laws of reading will imply that it must be readable and understandable. Because what you do not read, you cannot explain or you don't understand it. You cannot guess for the scriptures. I guess this is it. No. Those are people who are just saying serpents. You see? That shows you don't know if it is written. What we also observe that nobody quoted scriptures by using chapters and verses. I've always explained that to you. So, you have to note something. That it was written doesn't mean it will be properly explained as a doctrine because you will, it is not in chapters and verses. You have to explain it in context. Do you get it? So that you saw it in the Bible doesn't mean, oh, it's doctrine. Just like the way we just saw the first fruit there now in Afrobat 3. Does that place look like you should bring your money? Are you getting it? Exactly. But you know people just lifted that place out of context. They will forget the place where it says bring this bring it to the bands. How how do they preserve your money? They will take it to the bank now or to put it in Bitcoin. Not the bands. And what you should know it is in this life is that there is no religion. Religion that will not use the Bible or Jesus. So everybody has just chosen what they want to believe from the scripture. That's not our own portion. That is why I'm not a great preacher or something. We teach the whole Bible. Are you getting me? I wonder if you have noticed I stopped emphasizing too much on new creation realities. I wonder if you have stopped noticing that. I don't. Is is I the last time I really emphasized much on new creation realities was two to three years ago. I don't know if you noticed that. It's just some of you that have been here for long. I don't even notice that because we have to study the whole Bible so you're not gonna get carried away. Hey, you are delivered. Hey, hey, you are you are saved. Oh, that's not everything that is in the Bible. That's why I try to ensure I touch on everything. I will tell you, see, they still honor, they still give it, they still this. Because 
Some people who are going to form a sect, and that is it, our own doctrine is internal salvation. Then they have done just they have, they have killed these scriptures. So the fact that it is written does not make it doctrinally accepted. You have to explain it, you have to study it, you have to read it, and everything. Number two. How is it explained in scripture? This is where the work begins. How is it explained in scriptures? <clears throat> now, the scripture has... One thing about the scripture you have to know is that the scripture has already explained itself. And that is what we call exegesis. Let me give you the, the full meaning of exegesis today. Exegesis means to place scriptures with scriptures to arrive at a sound doctrinal conclusion. Exegesis means to place scriptures with scriptures to arrive at a sound doctrinal conclusion. Exegesis means what? To place scriptures with scriptures to arrive at a what? Sound doctrinal conclusion. And I said, the scripture has already what? Explained itself. So now there are two proper guides to exegesis. Don't forget. This is still number two. But there are two proper guides to this exegesis. Number one guide. Any good exegesis must be well corroborated. <laughs> Any good exegesis must be what? Well corroborated. This means that we will have texts that we corroborate, that we have a corroborative stance on the same issue throughout the scripture. So it will not appear solely in one place. That's why many attempts, I'll take you to this place, I'll take you to this place. Just like when we study Jacob, I love Esau, I hate. Do you see that it is, you were able to answer the question yourself? By me taking you around the scriptures. How many of you noticed that? That's a suggestion. To place scripture with scriptures, to do what? To arrive at what? A sound doctrinal conclusion. So, in explaining scriptures with scripture, there are things to consider. Or there are laws to consider. And number one law. <laughs> Wait, let me come again. Number one, it is written. The number one, number one. It is written of, in Bible interpretation, there are three guides. It is written. That is, is it written in the Bible? Number two is how it is explained. And that's where we are. 
So why it is explained? There are two proper guides to exegesis. Number one, any good exegesis must be well what corroborated. Under that one, there is also laws to consider. Under that number one, number one. <laughs> so it's two number one A. Now, <laughs> law of single mention. This is the real. If you, if somebody wants to teach you um, Bible hermeneutics, eh, they will skip you all the whole series that I've done. Track one, track two, and they will come to this part that I just want to explain. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. They will just come, they will just explain, explain, explain. In, in law of explanations, there's number one, law of single mention. These are the, what, I'm, what we are just explaining now, they are the basics of Bible hermeneutics. The, the, the KG, what we are just trying to see now, or what we are just trying to start now, they are the KG. So pay attention though. They are the KG of Bible hermeneutics. Single mention, double mention, emphatic mention. I'll come again. Single mention, double mention, and emphatic mention. We want to explain those things now. Single mention, double mention, and emphatic mention. So now, the law of single mention. Single mention. Now. Now. So, when we see, when the law of single mention happens, that shows that text was used just once in the scripture. And the text does not have any corroborative witness or a corroborative text to back up. Look at what Moses said. Let's look at what Moses said. Deuteronomy 17, verse 6. Let's read it. Deuteronomy 17, verse 6. These are the KG of Bible Eminotics. KG of Bible Eminotics. Deuteronomy, what? 17, 6. Everything I've been explaining since, eh? This is the KG of it. This is the best, simplest part of it. The Deuteronomy 70 verses. Look at what Moses said. He says, At the mouth of two or more witness, shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness, shall what? He not be put to death. Look at Deuteronomy 19.15. It says, One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin. In any sin, if any sin has seen it, at the mouth of two witnesses or the mouth of three witnesses, shall the matter be what? Established. Now, look at what Jesus said. No, is this thing is making sense to you now, what Moses said? Are you thinking true now? One witness cannot do something. 
but two witness a matter will be established right this are, i'm teaching you the basics this is the kg if you miss this one whoa it's not in the code the code i know this is the this is the that one is true but i this is the real this is the real thing that you will go outside and see let me tell you what i'm teaching you now eh, is something they will teach you in theological school for free for for money <laughs> I'm telling you. Eh? I don't know. Look at uh, what Jesus said, Matthew 18 16. I wonder if you remember this text. Matthew 18 16. I wonder if you remember that text. Selling to what? Two or more witnesses. Now look at John 8, verse 17. Look at John 8, 17. Let's go there. John 8, 17. Open there, open there. Let's go. Just pay attention. I'll be done in like 10 minutes. So pay attention. But if you not pay attention, you can draw me back. No, no, you can really draw me back because I will know if you are not paying attention. I want to keep explaining myself. Look at it. It says, it is also written in your law that the testimony of what? Is true. Look at what Paul said. Look at 2 Corinthians 13 1. Let's go there. And say, ah, you have full after the she Bible back. And now that's why you came to church. To open. Say, I'm, I'm about to open Bible back. 2 Corinthians 13 1. says, this is the third time I'm coming to you in the mouth of what? Or three witnesses. Every shall every word be established. <laughs> Even in explaining to more witnesses, there are also several witnesses in the scripture <laughs> to emphasize on the two or more witnesses. Are you seeing this? Wait. He says, out of two or more witnesses, it's true. That's just telling us that you cannot hold the scripture with one text. One, if you see that that place does not have a corroborating witness, it can't be a doctrine. Even in explaining the two or more witnesses, see how many texts we have opened. Let's go to Hebrews 10.28. Let's see another witness again. <laughs> Moses said it. Jesus said it. Paul said it. The writer of Hebrews said it. John said it. Uh-uh. Look at Hebrews 10, 28. Hebrews 10. Are you guys getting this? Yes, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under what? Two, two, two or three, three. witnesses. <clears throat> 
So the baseline of Bible hermeneutics or the baseline of Bible interpretation is that it must be well respected. So I'm showing you the baseline. So when you are reading a text, and so and the place is looking catchy, I was like, uh uh, and you want to build a conclusion on it, look around. Where has it been used? It must have two or more witnesses. Now let's see one text that people use, the miracle money story. Matthew 17, verse 25. This only have a single text. And you will not find this story anywhere again in the Bible. Let's read the story. Matthew 17, let's see the miracle money that people use. To say, ah, miracle money. I believe in miracles. But not with wrong text. Matthew 17, 25. He said, yes, when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earthly custom or tribute of their own children or changers? Peter said unto him, Most strangers. Jesus said unto him, Then the children's free. Look at verse 27. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go down into the sea, cast an hook, take up the fish that first cometh, and when thou open his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for thee. You know, miracle money men will read this text and say, If God can put money in the mouth of the fish, why can't God put money in your bank account? You know, as I said it, so well, OG. Should be possible to that. Is your greed? <laughs> you see, brethren, the money that belongs to the Gentiles is coming to the saints. Ah, <laughs> I know where wait transfer. You went to states, brethren. That was only used once. So when we read that scenario. It is not, it was not conclusive as far, we don't know if Jesus was speaking with parables or he was being literal. And we don't also know what happened after that instance. You remember that's where the chapter ended. Are you seeing it now? We don't know what if Jesus was speaking in parable or was speaking literal, we don't know what happened after that instance. And throughout the four gospel, there was no corroborative test to explain. You will notice that the stories in the four gospels were repetitions. You will see story in Mark, you see story in Luke, you see story in Jude, in John, sorry, you see story in Matthew. But this one was not repeated anywhere again. It had no corroborative text. So it cannot be practicable as a doctrine. 
Because that's a law of single mention. Do you get it now? We can't make that a doctrine. We don't even know what happened after. What did they use the money for? Is it literal money? Was it literal? Or was it figurative? Was Jesus speaking in parable? Are you seeing me how to explain the Bible now? That was a single mention. No writer of the four Gospels explained that place again or brought it up in their writings. So God must not be accused of what he did not do. So when you pray or they tell you to lift your phones up and you did not see money inside your bank account, don't accuse God. I know some of you have done it before. Like, why, why did the money not enter my own account? Why did it enter for some other people and not my own? Promise is love. I think you have been, you have been a party to those things. <laughs> why did he enter for some people and enter for my own? Don't accuse God of what God did not do. So it must be well explained with no errors. The scripture must be very wholesome. Look at how we studied that Jacob I ate it, so I learned. This is that it was very wholesome and he did not leave it with confusion. With no gray areas. Every text must be very corroborative. Either by other writer or the same speaker to exegetically establish a truth. Abraham just give up. <laughs> it must be well corroborated with no gray errors. It must be. It must. So, in teaching on the text of the Bible with a single mention, you are trying to breathe error. When you start teaching a text that has just one single mention, and you start putting emphasis and say, Oh, you know, the Lord will create miracle money for you, you are breathing error. That is what check every major people who is as though this look like Christians, but they are not Christian. They have acted on one major error that they did not want to balance. Check it. They don't want to balance one truth. So we are not like that. Are you ready? You get that? You get single mention now. Now, double mention is very double. You know that. Because everywhere, there will always, there will always be a double mention. So double mention. What is it? Is that the explanation? Decrease. Double mention. So, B. B. Double mention. So, the text we have two or more references. The text we have what? Or more references from the same writer or other writers will corroborate. It's either it's it from the same writer or other writers will what? Corroborate it. Many a times, let me tell you one thing in study too. Many a times, if you are reading, let's say you are reading Corinthians and you see a word. It is safer 
to look at how Paul wrote it in the whole of the Corinth, in the whole of the book of Corinthians. Okay, let me use one for you. There was one that challenged me some years ago, and that was power. What was Paul's use of power in, in Corinth? Let me tell you my challenge. In chapter 1, I don't know if there was power. In chapter 2, it says, My speech and my preaching was not the dancing water of human wisdom or the demonstration of the spirit of power. In, I think, Romans, it says, The kingdom of God is not in power. It's not in. I'm not sure. No. No, not that one. It's not in words or words. No, not demonstration of power. It's in joy. Uh uh. Is in joy. It's not in peace, but it's in love, joy, peace. No, it's not love, joy, peace. Something joy is something and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's not in meat and drink, but it's in Righteousness and join the Holy Okay, righteousness, peace and join the Holy Ghost. Okay, yeah, right. Alright. Now, we're now, I think it was me and a friend, we're doing a study of false use of the word power in the book of Corinth. Now, watch carefully. Look at our study. Look at what we studied. I will come, we came to conclusion. I won't, I can't really remember what we came in conclusion with again, but I will, I will be, uh, when I remember, I will explain it to you. What we did was, we studied basically everywhere he used that word in the book. And that gave us the right answer. So many a times, it is safer to use the author's word to explain. Let's say you are trying to explain coming. How did the writer use coming in other texts in that same book? It will give you an idea. Does it make sense to you? Before you start looking for corroborative, you get me, in other writers. A good example is the prophecy of David. In Psalm 110, verse 1. Look at Psalm 110, verse 1. Let's go there. Psalm 110, verse 1. Isaiah 53, verse 1 to 12. That is one of the most referenced texts. Now, that's a law of double mention. It must corroborate the text in the scriptures. Does that make sense to you? Emphatic mention. The last one now. Emphatic, no, the second of the day. The almost last one. Emphatic mention. 
So this is your eyes without your glasses. Wow. You, you, it's, it's different looks. Emphatic mention. What do you think emphatic mention means before I explain? That was right. It just simply shows that the text or the thing you want to explain is not too much seen in the scripture. Or the text is not in many places, but it is emphatically mentioned in a particular passage of scripture. I will say it again. It is not mentioned in many places, but it is emphatically mentioned in a particular passage of scripture. It is not mentioned in too many places, but it is emphatically mentioned in a particular passage of the scripture. Now, let's do a class work. Look through the scriptures. What do you think is like that? It's not mentioned in too many places. What teaching do we teach? Or do I teach very strongly? That is not in too many places in the scripture, but is emphatically mentioned somewhere. Thomas. 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 You said what? Thomas. You were saying something. First Corinthians 14. First Corinthians 2. No. No, tongues as corrupted. Honor. Give it up. Gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit is not everywhere. But it was emphatically mentioned by the author. You, if you read in 1 Corinthians, if you go through, if you go through 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, Paul says, now concerning spirituals, I will not have you ignorant. He started till 14, he was still talking about it. So, if you now want to do corroborative text about that one now, you know there's not too many places you will go to. Exactly. That's an emph- That is why that teaching of the things of the Spirit, I beg you, don't, don't handle it. Those are teachings that are very, very controversial. I, I, I got to know it because of this world we live in. And it we care. That's the essence of why people like Reverend Ica did pile-ups of books and series on those teachings because they are trying to preserve a charismatic ministry that must not be lost in our generation. So, that's an emphatic mention. The things of the Spirit. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge. You won't find them very well as corroborative, but they were very emphatic about it. Does that make sense to you? Now, last one. Number three. Now, number three of is it written? Number two, how is it explained? Number three now, is it practical in human experience and practice? Yes, I know that there was one where I said uh, 
Yes, yes, yes. Any good exegesis must work corroborated, I know. Yeah, take that one for this series. You hear the other ones later. Number three Is it practical in human experience and practice? Don't forget, we are still studying in Bible interpretation. Three what? Guides to arrive. The way we arrive at conclusion. Is it practical in human experience and practice? You know, some teachings like giving, hundredfold return, miracle money, 24-hour miracle, all of those things. You know, those those type of teachings is not applicable to everybody. Because do you how do you want to explain that type of teaching to Big Gate? Or Elon Musk. I heard Jeff Bezos now is beating Elon Musk back now. How, how these guys are doing it? God, show me the way to. Just imagine. You're not going to tell Jeff, Be- Jeff, Jeff Bezos and say, Guy, give now. And you will have a hundred food return. Ah. You know, the guy will look at you like, Where's that your God? Let me buy the God. <laughs> yeah. If that is how it is. So you have to be there. So that's why when you are teaching the gospel, you really have to be working. What you are saying, is it applicable? Can you go to Begate and teach it? Can you take gifts of the Spirit and go and teach Begate? Can you take, you know, can you take stability by guy, you have to pray. That's why, if you notice stability in prayer, I never talked about material things. If you notice any teaching of my prayer, I don't focus on material things. That you have to pray. I have not taught that one yet. I will still teach it someday, but not yet. Where, and I will teach it under one hour, and that will be all. On receiving things in prayer, that will be the title. And I'll call you receiving things in prayer, not praying for things. <laughs> do you get it? How do you? Because imagine you want to go and be praying and say, Father, Father, Father. The person says, I will see one man, one comedy. The girl says, Father, on general, on general, on general. That was it. You are disturbing me. I'm praying to my God. It's only that thick. Go, let me, let me deal with Father, this business, this contract. <laughs> so, is it well applicable? You know when we teach divine healing, that's applicable. People are sick. You never can know even if the Bezos has any problem. It can be you. Do you get it? If we are teaching uh, prayer, that's applicable. Praying for the cause of the gospel, that's applicable. If we are teaching Bible, we may notice how to explain the Bible, that's applicable. How can you understand this Bible? If we are teaching um, honor, that's applicable because he has to honor men of God and not honor his money. Are you seeing it? We are teaching zeal, he has to maintain his passion. <laughs> Forgiveness of sin. You get to things like that. You have to see it. Is it applicable? What I'm about to explain. This is how I think. 
and this is one of the ways I try to think before I teach or something. What I'm about to say. Can many yet? If people hear my message, can they want to believe the gospel? Reverend Ica said, true test for a sound doctrine is it must bet so win. It will inspire prayer. And we make you love God more, something like that. I can't really remember the, those tests again. It will inspire so many. It will bet a culture of prayer. And it will inspire you to, I think, love God more. I think so. I don't know. So, this is Bible hermeneutics. And we are seeing a bit part of it. This is a series I plan to teach all my life. I will keep explaining. Bible hypnotic. So if you think you just heard a part now, wait for another series. You know that there is still more to study Bible hypnotic. Because the work of a Bible preacher is to keep showing you how to, or keep explaining a text, or and showing you how to explain a text. That's the work of a Bible preacher. One of the things we do in teaching the Bible is showing you the better explanation and walking you through how you can effectively explain it. Do you guys understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? Alright, let's sing this song. The scriptures God's gift to me as such true.